I'm Eileen Dunn and this is The God Slot. A recent survey of Dublin students has shown that over half have some concept of God. 60% said that if it were possible, they would want to know God in a personal way, while 46% considered Jesus to be just a man. A timely survey, as this week we devote our entire programme to a discussion among younger people of different faiths, where we explore their beliefs, how those beliefs affect their lives, and what they have in common and where they differ. We're joined from Cork by Daniel O'Carroll, a Jew, and here in studio by Vedanti Shaw, a Hare Krishna, Aidan Gregory, who was raised as Catholic in or around the age of 12, converted to the Church of Ireland for about two years, but who now describes himself as agnostic. And our regular contributor, Ben Conroy, and if you've heard Ben on this programme, you'll know that he's a committed Roman Catholic. Could I begin by asking each of you in turn to tell me who or what God is to you? Vedanti, let's start with you. Uh, for me, like as I was growing up, sometimes, you know, if I was feeling down, I could just go back and think about God and, well, Krishna, as we call, um, and, you know, find some perspective when you're thinking about your life. And I always thought that no matter what happens, no matter where you turn, like whether you believe in it or not, um, it's always going to be present. It's not personified in one thing that it's your whole life should be dedicated to God that everything that you do should be associated with God I never ever doubted God um it was kind of the people that preach (laughs) sometimes you know and I think that's understandable especially when you come to an age of like between the age of maybe 12 and your teenage years basically where you start to question things and you're not just accepting everything that's told to you. Aidan, if I can come to you next, then you did question. Yes, I did question it. Um, whether at the moment, like I said, I'm uh, agnostic. I do sort of believe that it's in our nature sort of to believe in something and that. But my God is more in kindness in the way people treat each other and the way we uh, respect and love each other. It's that sort of sense. Not in the traditional, let's worship, sit down on our, or get down on our knees, genuflect and pray and stuff like that. Um, you're right in saying I did question this, and but I think everyone should question. In terms of uh, doubting God, I've never really doubted God. I've always sort of known there's something there. That's my own personal belief. I know atheists disagree that there isn't, but uh, I've always believed there is some sort of spiritual power there, and there's always something that within us that has that kindness and that love and stuff like that. But um, in terms of question, yes, I have because I I do believe people tend to distort teachings and tend to distort and put their own views on things. So I did have to question. I believe everyone has to question. Daniel, can we bring you in here? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's. I mean, I, it's, it's. I guess it's, it's somewhat, it's somewhat different in from the previous contributors in the sense that uh, Judaism obviously is an organised religion. Um, but yes, we have a, we have a strong belief in God. It's a very important part of uh, our religion. It's important, I guess, it's an important uh, part of my life as a practising adherent to this religion also. Um, and I guess, yes, it's something quite fundamental to Judaism. And Ben? Um, I'd have a huge amount in common with all the other people there, various things. I have that sense of a personal connection with God that Dante and Daniel were talking about and that sense of questioning that Adon was. Um, 
from a very young age, I was raised Catholic, but from a very, very young age, I actually was keeping my parents up all night and depriving them of much needed sleep, saying, is this a load of rubbish? Does this have any merit to it? Does it have any truth in it whatsoever? You know, problem of evil, problem of suffering, problem of existence, or, or does it have merit to it? Or does it actually have, is it in some way actually worthwhile? And eventually, after a huge amount of back and forth, and not to say that my questions are over, I think questioning is hugely agree with Adon that questioning is really important. If you don't question, you can't know what is true. Um, but eventually, I kind of came to the conclusion that there is something to this God lark. Well, what brought you to that? And what brought it, you to the, that position in the first place? The position of thinking that God that there is sense. something to it. What it was is that simply, you know, you look at you look at the universe. There's some kind of ultimate reality. Either the universe started with uh, an emergence from nothing, or it was always there. Or so basically, it's a product of stuff. You know, atoms banging into other atoms, eventually creating more and more reactions, and that's it. Or does it look like the product of an ultimate mind? You know, you can never prove it one way or another. God is impossible to prove or disprove. So I said, um, does this universe look to me more like it's more likely that God does exist? And I said, yeah, it does. Um, and then what I do then is where the faith bit comes in, is where you make that leap of faith. Because I said, I can't prove it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and live my life as though there was a God there and try and come to some kind of relationship with that God. Um, and it's at that stage that the whole sort of thing that Vedanti was talking about, of a sense of personal closeness, kind of began to emerge. Um, but I suppose the question is, do you worship God? Do you try and come to a closeness with God on your own or together? And I kind of came down the side of together. Uh, and that, I suppose, is ultimately what organized religion is at its core. It's actually people coming together to try and form some kind of a relationship with God. Because if God is, you know, if a relationship with God is worthwhile, you're going to want to say, hey, come, come join us, you know, let's do this together. And so I guess that's kind of where my understanding of the Catholic faith comes from as a family. Daniel, if I can bring you in here, um, Judaism not only allows for all kinds of interpretations of God, but encourages people to wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's actually, that's very true. I mean, in that um, so much of Judaism is, is centred on debate, and as you said, on argumentation and on diverse, there's a very diverse tradition of interpretation. The Talmud, which is one of the two central texts of Judaism, as well as the written Bible, um, is just a long massively massively long series of debates and you know there's a saying you might have heard that there are two Jews or three opinions <laughs> and it's very funny because I mean it's it's totally true so it, it is it's it's a religion that actually uh, encourages questioning everything 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 has to stand up to questioning no matter what the premise is so and is that sense of community important to you yeah sure um in order for Judaism to work, uh, there has to be cohesion because we have to, we have dietary laws like kosher which requires a ritual slaughter, we have weddings. It's a religion that's actually uh, designed towards community and if it falls a sense, it falls apart in a sense when there isn't community. Um, I think it's a really interesting ben. thing emerging here is that um, those basic rules of actually, you know, loving your neighbour are so common throughout loads of different faiths. I think that's actually a powerful sign that, you know, there is some truth to this junk, you know. <laughs> now, something you touched on was evil. And let me just quote from Epicurus here and, and see what you make of this, you four. Is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then he's not omnipotent. Is he able, but not willing? Then he's malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? In the Hare Krishna faith, um, like I said earlier, uh, the whole idea is that you have free will. Um, the reason that we're on earth, that we're experiencing this is because like, we wanted to be here. But once you're here, you know, you have the free will to do good or bad. But how that affects you 
later on in life or in another life. Um, that's where the whole evil thing comes in. I mean, we're here because we want to be and God has allowed us to participate in this and how we interact with other people. It's up to us, but at the same time, God has given you the free will to do it if you want to. So that's where I think the whole evil thing comes in is that it's up to the individual person to to make a choice whether it's morally right or wrong. It's just how that person acts. Yeah. Would you have a view on that, Adam? Um, yeah, well, first of all, in terms of where God comes into us, he doesn't really, to be honest with you. I think, honestly, with uh, good and evil, that's a man-made thing, really. Um, our own sense of morality is within ourselves. I don't think anyone's there to dictate any of that. And again, like I said, it's up to a viewpoint of how we view that. But believers of down through the ages have been responsible for some of the worst atrocities and sometimes Exa- in the name of their various churches. Exactly. I mean, it happened with the Crusades. Um, it happened with up in the north, separation and segregation. It's happening now in Israel and Palestine. So I think the real evil in the world is actually religion. I think they're the ones who are causing the most trouble at the moment. I think uh, if there was a God or if there is a God, sort of his view of the world has probably been shocked. And if we're to think of this in Christianity terms, I'm pretty sure this is not the world Jesus Christ has imagined. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I think religion has definitely distorted the lines between good and evil. Daniel and Ben, you're hardly likely to let that go. <laughs> there, there's kind of two things we're talking about here. I mean, just just quickly to to maybe like address those. The first thing is that, I mean, Judaism, maybe uh, Ben as well, Catholicism, we have very, very exact details about um, how to live our lives in a part of religious law. But I mean, yeah, it's, it, it, is, it is true that, I mean, you can certainly look through history and find examples of um, as you mentioned, the Crusades and all this modern modern affairs of people abusing religion. But, you know, I think maybe if I could kind of just give an answer back to that, I would say that, you know, were, were the Crusaders good Christians? Were, you know, and, and anyone who commits evil in the name of religion, um, I would say generally, if not absolutely, uh, is not adhering to the standard interpretation of that religion. I don't think the standard interpretation of any faith... Um, allows for evil doing allows allows for any kind of stuff like that so i mean judaism just in my particular case is very much a religion geared towards um you know not towards extremism towards towards a moderate acceptable way of doing things and you know if you have people who take an extremist interpretation and distort their religion then I don't think you can blame the religion as a whole for the actions of a few people. I would agree with parts of what Adam was saying and then I would disagree with others, um, which would be that I'm not sure that it's actually the religion itself that causes the badness in that, you know, you could throw stuff back and forth. You could say the Crusades and then someone could say, well, Stalin, you know, he was an atheist. And does a- was it atheism responsible for the gulags? I don't think so. Where the evil lies is more in humankind's capacity, because humankind has a great capacity to do good, but they also have a capacity, that free will, to choose evil. And I think that people are sometimes going to choose that, be they be they Buddhist, be they Hare Krishna, be they Christian, be they agnostic or atheist. Um, people are going to do bad things, and I'm not sure that laying that at the door of religion is a, such a good thing. Uh, where I think the morality and God part comes into it is that God is the ultimate good. God is love. God is goodness. And I'd hugely agree with Adon that, you know, is this the world that Jesus Christ would have wanted? I don't think so. <laughs> but I guess what you can try and do, and people you know, who are Christians and non-Christians, I mean, Jesus, uh, Gandhi once said that uh, 
that, you know, Christianity is a brilliant idea. If only someone would try it. Okay, let's come to the issue of sex, sexuality and sexual morality. What are your different faiths or lack of teaching you about those? Vedanti. Well, sex in the Hare Krishna, it's considered, you know, um, sacred. Uh, I don't really know anyone who can adhere to the standards that are kind of expected of people. Uh, Sex, you're not supposed to have sex until you're married. It's very, very strict. You're supposed to be completely celibate. And when you do get married, sex isn't supposed to be an expression of love or lust or anything else to do with your emotions. It's supposed to be for procreation because that's seen as like a service. It's seen as a duty that you're supposed to bring more children into the world and bring them up in your faith and educate and teach them. So that's what sex is for and that's it. And does that cause you a problem that that you have a problem with that notion? No, um, not at all. Like... uh, I'm not a virgin. I'm going to put that out there. I think it is an unrealistic idea to have. Um, It is making you kind of robotic. It's supposed to, it's taking out any sort of human element of, of sexuality. And I mean, that's a huge part of our nature. You can't ignore it. I, I wouldn't really agree with the religion on that because I don't think it's humanly possible. Um, That's just my stance on it. I've, that's through experience and nothing else. Thank you for your honesty, Vedanti. Daniel, <laughs> what does Judaism teach about sex and sexuality? Um, sex is not something that is kind of sullied or treated as something dirty or sinful. Um, but it's it's a very important part of uh, life. But as Vedanti said, also the kind of implication is that it's there for, to, for the purposes of procreating and for... Um, fulfilling the first commandment, which is to have a lot of children and bring up many descendants. Um, that's that's kind of it. Uh, it 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 does have the same um, the same thing, which I think is common to all monotheistic faiths that uh, sex is after marriage. Um, I'm just going to. I don't want to talk about my personal involvement <laughs> as Vedanti kind of very bravely did. Um, she is very brave, but that's that's what it says, and I think that's same as Catholicism. It's also. Uh, a monogamous, you know, you have one wife, but um, yeah, that's that's really what it says about it. Ben, I'm conscious of your mother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> OK, um, yeah, I, again, I find myself largely agreeing with Daniel. Uh, well said. Um, the Catholic understanding will have a large emphasis on, on, you know, raising the next generation and giving the gift of life. It would also have a very, very big sense of sex as actually being something very important and binding and loving. Um and so there's the procreation side, but there's also the unitive side and the side that is about love and connection and closeness. Um, and I think over on the whole, the church's teaching on sex is great. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, so, and the reason I think that is, is because it actually gives sex the importance and the sort of gravity and sacredness that it deserves. Well, that emphasis on marriage and procreation precludes homosexuality. I'm not sure we're on the right path and that is probably the thing that I struggle with most about my faith. Um, I think we're going to have to come to a way of engaging gay people in Catholicism because the church is for everyone. Um, there are people who believe, the people who believe in the church's teaching believe it for actually very good reasons. There is this stuff about the complementarity of man and woman. Um, there's stuff about, about, you know, the importance of procreation. I don't want to dismiss people who believe that kind of stuff uh, in the church's teaching, which is pretty clear. Um, at the moment, I disagree with them. Um, I, I'm thinking the Catholic Church is going to have to find its way around this issue over the next you know, 10, 20 years. There's going to have to be whatever we do. 
we're going to have to reach out to gay people more than we currently are. Aidan, <laughs> we have to bring you in here yeah. because you are a gay person and the three religions that we're talking about would... Yeah, um, 10, 20 years. I'm a bit shocked by that. I think, why not now? Okay. I, I mean, I respect your opinion, but I think that is way too late to be dealing yeah, with yeah. that sort of issue within a religious setting. Um, and with the Unitarians, I think they're f- fully accepting gay people in their church. Why mm. can't priests and why can't... Uh, Judaism and other religions such as Islam and all that except uh, gay people we've done nothing wrong other than be ourselves yeah. so, Would it I mean, be one of the reasons why you're not attached to an organised church? Uh, that is one of, the, one of the reasons one of the many reasons why now there's a, a lot of other reasons but one of the many reasons is the fact that because I'm a gay man I'm suddenly shunned from the door of every church in town essentially I respect your opinion on the fact that it needs to be addressed and that uh, eventually the Catholic Church and possibly Judaism and Islam and all that sort of stuff is going to have to uh, wake up to the fact that we're here, we're not going away and that some of us do want to sort of sit down and pray and preach with others. Um, 10, 20 years is a bit long. I think yeah. the change should be starting now there's, rather there's, than Daniel, later. Would you? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's difficult one, 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 one to, to kind of say because, I mean, the belief in Judaism um, about homosexuality is, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, more, more or less exactly the same as it is in uh, Catholicism mm-hmm. um, and in Islam. So, I mean, that's the belief that's there. Um, I'm not 100% aware myself of what kind of, um, you know, efforts are kind of in place to maybe accommodate people who are, who are homosexuals within um, Judaism. Um, but I mean, you know, it certainly it certainly is an issue, as as Adon says himself, that you know, he he feels as entitled as anybody else, as any straight person, to also foster relationship with God, and you know that is certainly true. It is it is his entitlement. So um, you know, it's all all I can really say is that I'm I'm not privy to what exact efforts. I don't think I can even say as one Jewish person sitting down here in Cork what efforts are happening on a worldwide scale, but it is something that's going to come to the fore uh, for homosexual and gay people, not just within Judaism, but within all organised religions. Uh, We can see the Anglicans struggling at the moment with the whole issue of of gay civil partnerships. They're they're struggling, but at least they're addressing the issue and talking about the issue. I think the... Uh, with respect to both the Catholic Church and Judaism, I think they're sort of avoiding us for as long as they can, trying to push it away as much as possible until they have to face up to us. I know the Iona Centre or the Iona Institute, rather, is uh, very critical of uh, homosexuals um, and of gay marriage and of gay adoption and stuff like that, which is very upsetting to see. And especially, it's I think it's sending off the wrong message to young people and people today as well. So I want to jump in here because there's a point I really want to pick up on about not being welcomed in a church. Under completely orthodox uh, Catholic teaching, if you're not being welcomed in a church, there's something deeply wrong there. Um, that actually, aside from the actual teaching about the morality of gay sex or whatever and that relationship and whether the rights or wrongs of that, and as I've said, I have grave doubts about my own church teaching on that. There's two questions. There's one is how do you actually minister to and love gay people and if that is involving you know being homophobic or saying you are not welcome in our church before you even get to the actual moral question that's a deep problem because jesus welcomed everyone and um, where i guess the whole 12, 10 20 years thing comes from and to try to explain that a little bit it's just that the catholic church for better or worse moves at a glacial pace <laughs> um, and that can be very good in some ways because it preserves traditions and sometimes it can be not so good and that it is too slow is there a Hare Krishna position? I'm completely pro-gay marriage. I have no problem with it. Um, I'm bisexual, so, I mean, I can't really stand there and say, oh, no, it's not right, it's not right or it's wrong. Um, 
I've got two brothers who are extremely homophobic and it's strange, I mean, to have such bipolar opposites in the same family. I mean, we had the same upbringing, the same influences. Um, at the end of the day, I think it is also, it's not just the religious factor that comes in, like people's attitudes. It's a social thing that's brought in and, you know, socially Catholicism has always been very conservative. But if you took that away, the same people would probably still have very, very negative or closed-minded attitudes, regardless of a church. One of the key things about tolerance is you have to tolerate positions that you find really uh, offensive or untenable. Like, I know it was really, really difficult for you, Aidan, as a gay man, to actually hear people who say, you know, what you're doing, your love for this other person, if you kind of express it in a sexual way, that's a sin. Um, but... At the same time, that is what a good discussion has to entail. That's what tolerance has to entail. You actually have to bring people of all opinions into the conversation. By and large, I do agree. I think you do need to have opposite views to uh, come up with a proper solution. And uh, to become tolerant, you have to sort of question your own views, even if it is on sexuality or on stuff like that. And I, I mean, I'm not completely against the Catholic Church or against Judaism or organised religion on their position against that. I disagree with it, but I respect their right and I would fight for the right to have hold that view. Mm. But I, again, at the same point, I do think it does make things difficult for people like myself and just for other different people in general because views tend to get distorted. And there's, again, like we discussed earlier, the human factor tends to... Uh, mangle things and just make things a lot more difficult for people and I think that's really sort of disappointing in a sort of way yeah. Okay now we're running out of time here but there's one more issue that I'd like to discuss with you before we wrap it up and that is the afterlife whether you believe in an afterlife now you're all very young and the more than I'm sure none of you is thinking of pensions or anything like that at the moment. Do you think about an afterlife? What do your religions teach you about an afterlife? Daniel? Um, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, within Judaism, there uh, it's a very, very central belief, the belief in a world after this world called Olam Haba in Hebrew, which means the next world, the world to come. It's a prominent discussion in, in Jewish um, theology. Vedanti. I completely believe in an afterlife. I think that a lot, a lot of people say like, oh, um, you know, we're a person and we have a soul. The whole idea with uh, Hare Krishna is that you are a soul. And that you go through different bodies, you go through different stages that are all helping you to learn and to become spiritually pure. Ben, heaven or hell? My understanding is that there is an afterlife. You know, the energy of our souls does not get destroyed. Uh, it moves on to something else. I mean, Bob Geldof's a classic example. You know, Bob Geldof's an atheist, thinks, you know, when you're dead, you're six feet under. But he's probably going to heaven faster than I am, you know, <laughs> because he's just done such fantastic work in terms of looking after the poor. And if you look at, you know, what Jesus said in the story of the last judgment, it wasn't the most pious believers who were going to get in first. It was those who actually tried to do what he did to care for the sick, for the poor, to work for justice. The most important thing is that you strive in whatever religion or tradition you find yourself in to do good. And I believe that's ultimately bringing you closer to God. Is it something you think about, Aidan, at the afterlife? Definitely. It's something I've discussed with a lot of my friends and they've shared a lot of views similar to this panel. Mine, I'm more of a romantic myself. I think... Uh, your heaven is sort of, or your soul, sort of the memory that lives on after you, once you're sort of dead and buried or cremated or stuff like that. It's the memory and the happy memories on which people sort of share and uh, take you for after you're gone. I think that's more what is important about leaving behind. And that's sort of the afterlife itself, because you're sort of made immortal in those memories, in those pictures, in those. So for me, that's sort of the heaven that you create. And I think it's something you create for yourself. 
Thank you, Aethon. And there, I'm afraid, we have to leave matters. My thanks to Vedanti Shaw of the Hare Krishna movement, Daniel O'Carroll of the Jewish faith, Ben Conroy, a Catholic, and Aethon Gregory, who still searches for the answers to life's great questions. An extended edition of this programme will be available on podcast. The announcer will have details after the programme. If you'd like to express your views, our email address is godslot at rte.ie. Our phone number, 01. 2082039 and our postal address is the Godslot RTE Radio 1 Dublin 4. I'll be back with you on Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock on RTE Radio 1 Longwave 252 and on our digital service RTE 1 Extra with live coverage of the opening ceremonies of the Eucharistic Congress. Next Friday night is the final programme in the current series when from the RDS we'll bring you a one-hour special on the Congress. Idaran Dalin, Gugudi Tieshif. Cause I gotta have faith. Mm, I gotta have faith. Because it's a-